Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 80. As always, thrilled to have you joining us this week. If you're just now learning about the podcast, don't worry. You can catch up at your own pace, and every episode, 1 through 80, is filled with great stories from the world of amateur golf, professional golf, and collegiate golf. So before that next flight or that long drive, download a few episodes, get caught up, and I guarantee you'll enjoy the stories shared by our phenomenal guests. We have great guests lined up all summer long, but I recorded an episode today with three-time Walker Cupper and former Walker Cup captain, Jim Holtgrieve. This is one of those special episodes that I highly recommend you share with anyone that is passionate about amateur golf and specifically mid-amateur golf. You see, Jim was the winner of the very first United States Mid-Amateur Championship in 1981. Think about that. Have you ever heard the story from the guy that has his name first on a USGA trophy? Well, you will very soon. Before we get to this week's guest, remember, keep posting your reviews in Apple Podcasts. Can't stress that enough. It is super important for the growth of this podcast. You know we're on social media. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram handle is the Back of the Range Podcast. Everything's available in the show notes of this episode. And to make it simple, just go over to thebackoftherange.com. So it's that time of year where college students are going through graduation ceremonies. We've had this episode saved up for quite a while, and I thought since our guest just graduated college yesterday, let's get it out there and get it posted. Our guest this week is Alexa Hammer. She's originally from South Florida, and when it came time for Alexa to pick a college to attend, well, she did something a little different. You know, it's one thing to move away from home to get that traditional U.S. college experience of keg parties and football games, but Alexa left her home for the home, the home of golf, that is, St. Andrews, Scotland. You see, she picked up a degree yesterday from the University of St. Andrews. She played for the university's golf team and her home course, yeah, you guessed it, it was the old course. Alexa shared some great stories about golf in St. Andrews versus the States, the decision to go across the pond in the first place, how you need to prepare yourself for Lynx golf, and what it's like to call St. Andrews home. So let's get to this week's episode. Alexa, welcome to the back of the range. Alexa, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we were able to arrange it. It sounds like we're doing this episode face-to-face, but I know that's not true. Where are you calling from? Where are you right now in the world? I'm currently in my flat in St. Andrews, Scotland, uh, looking out at the Firth of Forth, uh, part of the North Sea, and the Old Course. Well, you've uh, single-handedly just pissed off every single person listening to this podcast that is not in St. Andrews <laughs> right now. So that that did not take long. So good work. That probably wasn't the best. Uh, good. In- perfect. You know, it's a gloomy day here. It's rainy and windy. It's cold. It's brutal. I miss Florida. <laughs> All right. Well, nice save. Um, this is the you are the third hammer to be on this podcast. Um, Cole Hammer, no relation. He's uh, currently playing uh, uh, college golf at the University of Texas. He's a USG champion. Uh, we had Kevin Hammer on earlier in season one. I think you know that guy, right? I do. I do. 
Good old pops. Yeah. Well, we forgot to tell him that you were going to be a guest on the podcast, so he's probably listening right now thinking those two idiots got did this behind my back, and that's, of course, what we did. So, um, Surprise! So, there you go. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about, I mean, this is just, it's an incredible story how you're, like you said, you're native of South Florida, and it comes time for college, and you end up playing at the University of St. Andrews. So tell me a little bit how you got into golf and tell me just a little bit about your family uh, relationship with the game of golf. Well, uh, my grandfather, Lori Hammer, played on tour for a few years, had um, some success and then was the teaching professional and head golf uh, director at Delray Dunes for about 45 years in Delray Beach, Florida. And my dad was a great amateur player, college player. Um, So really, they are the ones that introduced me to the game. And um, my dad did not have a son, so I guess I was the designated golfing child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But luckily for him, I really enjoyed it and have played the game ever since. I could probably walk and whenever they introduced me to it. And uh, they've taught me, you know, not just only about the swing or course management, but really about everything the game has to offer and how special it is. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, um, I, I like how you just said he was a good amateur player. I think the last time I played golf with him, he shot 64. So I think he can still get it around just a little bit here and there. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of people here on the podcast and asked that similar question. How did you get into the game? And whether it's a mother, father, or friends uh, in the neighborhood or, or grandparents, um, you have golfing excellence in your family. It's not just, you know, dad took you to the golf course. Can you remember back when maybe it became apparent to you that, okay, there's some pretty serious heritage in my family with the game of golf? Did it become apparent to you relatively quickly, or did you just not think anything of it? To be honest, I didn't really think much of it. I think since being away from home and uh, starting here in St. Andrews and being away from them and being separated from it, it's made me appreciate it a lot more. Um, my grandfather and father were never really ones to talk about themselves to me. Um, so I think through speaking with their friends, um, who've known them for years and who made it apparent that that's not normal, you know, (laughs) everything, you know, I'm lucky, um, (laughs) uh, is what made me really realize it and appreciate it and being away. So I think it took me a bit and I definitely didn't, um, appreciate it right away. The thing I also wanted to ask you about is, you know, you grew up in South Florida and I'm a South Florida native and, you know, the weather in the summer is brutally hot and, you know, we're playing golf courses, no matter what course we're really playing, the grasses are all pretty similar. A lot of Bermuda, a lot of humidity down here. You're obviously a great player. You're playing collegiately over in St. Andrews, but how did that whole process start where it ever got into your head to go think of St. Andrews? I would imagine you had tons of options to go play anywhere you wanted to in the United States, well, in the state of Florida, and then probably in the United States. When did this start taking shape that actually leaving home, leaving the country and enjoying college in Scotland became an option? Well, I think it was the summer of mm, 2014 before my senior year of high school and when I had to make my final decision of where I would attend college that I was playing golf in Asheville, North Carolina um, at Biltmore Forest where we would go for a few summers and the head pro there always hosted a group of 
father's sons, whether it was Scotland or Ireland, every other year he would take them um, to the UK on a golfing trip. And I was, you know, excited for my friends, my guy friends who were going. I wasn't included on the trip. You know, obviously it's father's son. Um, and then last minute, one of the dads had um, business and had to pull out of the trip. So they asked me if I wanted to go. And they said, hey, do you want to go in three weeks? And my dad said, you're going and nice. you're canceling all your plans. And I said, okay. So I was traveling. We arrived and I was um, traveling around with, you know, about 10 middle-aged men and then 10 boys. And I was only girl. And it was, <laughs> it was quite the and how old, how old are you? How old are you at this point? Uh, I was about 16 or 17. I think it was, I was 16 or 17. It was oh, one of okay. the okay. two summers prior to my senior year. So you're the only, and, you're the only teenage girl on this trip. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, exactly. teena- and teenage boys um, are idiots. So, so. Yes. And I don't have brothers. I have two younger sisters. Oh, so it was dear. quite the experience oh, for me. God. Um, no, but it was a great time. And we were, you know, right after we landed 7 a.m. one morning in Edinburgh, went straight to go play Renaissance. And, you know, it was go, 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 playing 36 a day. It was an exhausting trip, but so much fun. And then my dad decided to come out uh, at the end of the trip because we were finishing the trip up in St. Andrews. So we stayed an extra week in St. Andrews and met a friend, Graylin Loomis, who um, was also from Asheville, uh, North Carolina, the same club at Biltmore Forest. And he was uh, still a student here at the time. So we met up with him. He showed me around in the university, told me what uni life here was like. And that's when I really started thinking, oh, this is an option. I could, you know, do what Graylin did or I could, you know, live here for four years and I don't just need to stay in the States like most people do, uh, for their undergrad. And then that's when I started seriously considering the option and got in touch with the golf coach and, um, applied and was accepted and, uh, thought maybe I would do it for a year and said, why not do it for four? I love traveling and sure. the old course would be my home course. And I'd be able to live in this little town, um, on the East coast of Scotland. Why not? So it was really that golf trip that made it a possible reality for me. Now, what were your, now, now that's great on the golfing side. Um, but you know, applying, I, I would imagine there are a lot of people that had that similar idea that were entering college, like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool to go live in St. Andrews and play, you have the old course as their home place, but it's not like you filled out an application. They just accept you. I mean, there are obviously some of the things that go into, go into uh, effect, um, tell me about, uh, one of the scholarships you received to, to get into St. Andrews. Uh, well, when I was speaking with the golf coach about possibly playing, uh, golf here and attending university at St. Andrews, he made me aware that they were awarding their first, uh, Arnold Palmer scholarship for academics and golf here at the university. And in the UK, it's, uh, definitely not like America and the NCAA, um, system that offer, you know, scholarships for sports. They're very, most of the schools, at least St. Andrews is very academic focused. So I didn't even think the scholarship opportunities were possible, but once the coach David Watt here made me aware of the Arnold Palmer scholarship, um, I, you know, applied and wrote my essay and had my interviews for the scholarship and then I was awarded it. So it was great to be the first recipient of such a special scholarship, um, and I'm very grateful for it. And you actually got to meet Mr. Palmer at Bay Hill. Is that correct? Yes, I did. The first year they awarded it in, uh, 2015, they awarded it to one 
girl and one boy. So uh, George Burns, who was on the team, who's a year older than me, was the male recipient. And we went with our coach and um, played Bay Hill and met Mr. Palmer. And it was a really special day. Right there is a pretty, uh, that's a bucket list kind of thing, uh, getting to not only play Bay Hill, but meeting Mr. Palmer. Did he have any questions for you or do you remember the conversation you had with him? Um, you know, he was probably asking me, you know, if I've mastered the bump and run as most <laughs> people do over here after attending my first semester of university. Um, I don't really remember the conversation that clearly. It was really, you know, kind of a blur. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you're, uh... you're looking at Mr. Palmer, you're like, I, I see your mouth moving. I just don't hear anything coming out. So, <laughs> but it was, it was great to, um, meet him and spend that time with him. All right, so you are a. We're going to get back to a little bit about university life in a little bit, but let me uh, let me uh, uh, hit you up for some advice, ideas. You know, I've been to St. Andrews. I've played there several times, but you live there. Uh, you are a resident. So for people coming over to St. Andrews, I'm sure you've seen it all. You've seen the the large group from from Europe. You've seen the the group of guys from the states. You've seen you've seen it all. So what are some of the like immediate telltale signs that someone has arrived in St. Andrews for golf and is clearly not prepared for what they have in store for them. Well, probably just like this morning, they're kind of just standing and looking around, like not knowing where to go. Okay. Don't know where the town is. Um, you know, everyone knows that you can find the 18th green at least, but they're like, which way is the town? You know, it's like just up the road, you know, the only place you can walk to. Um, I guess, also seeing uh, the people stand out there on the first tee that are just kind of shivering and don't have the snoot or I guess as we call it in the States, the gator, that's pretty important for the cold weather. Or um, maybe the people who are trying to stand out there in the wind and use an umbrella. Okay. Um, I don't think that they know what they're in store for because that umbrella is quickly going to go inside out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so, I, that's um, one of the things I learned really quickly one year I was there. I'm like, this is stupid. I am not using this umbrella. I'm going to be soaked. And that's just, that's the way it is. So um, that's probably a few signs, but people quickly figure it out and enjoy it. I don't think they really care if they're prepared or not. They're just so excited to be here. Right. Well, and you know, you were that rookie too about four years ago. Um, so you yes. probably had a lot of mistakes you made. Did what? What's the... I guess, what's the worst situation you've ever been in out on the golf course where you get out there, you know, obviously it's all walking. This is not, you know, there's yes. no golf carts where you got, you know, you know, you're, you're out there and you have to just rely on what you bring with you. What's, uh, what's been the, the worst situation you've been in on the course, whether weather-wise or just not having something in your bag? I mean, can you think back to a time where you're like, I am just not prepared for this? I've probably made every mistake. I mean, you always bring a change of clothes or something, but you, when you, you know, a lot of the courses here are nine holes out, nine holes back in with, you know, so if you bring a change of bag, a bag of clothes to change into, if you get soaked at a tournament or something, you're not passing the clubhouse again. So you have to have everything in your bag that you can. So, you know, I would have everything in my bag and then quickly everything inside the bag would get just as soaked as the clothes I was of wearing. Course, yeah. So, you know, plastic bags, extra towels and plastic bags, um, extra socks. <laughs> um, so just... so I, I, pro I probably made all of the mistakes. I'm still learning, to be honest. I still, you know, you can't really bring enough with you right. out and... there for the bad days. And then you kind of get complacent having a few 
good days and you're like, oh, I don't need to bring all this stuff. And then right when you don't bring it, that's when you need it. So, of course. Yeah. And, you know, you like we said, you, you grew up in South Florida and, you know, what was the learning curve to actually get your game in shape to compete and play on your team? Because, you know, I, you're not hitting flop shots out of thick Bermuda rough right. anymore. So so how quickly did it take you to kind of get your game changed? Well, the first thing I did after playing in just, you know, average wind here was I called my dad back in Florida and said, okay, you need to order me a four and a three iron because I didn't have those in my bag at home. I had, you know, like a couple hybrids. I was yeah. like, I need this. Maybe order me a two iron. Please help me. Can I go buy one? <laughs> I mean, I can't have, I can't play another round without this. So that was the first thing I did. Um, yeah, it, the first, you really just learn how to play in the wind. Um, a lot of it's mental. Um, learn to just ignore whatever weather comes your way and kind of just become numb to the wind and the cold. At least I had to because I was definitely not used to that. You know, playing in weather that you wouldn't even want to go outdoors in, but then you're out there for six or seven hours, you know, warming up, playing and waiting for a team to finish in some tournaments. Sure. So I think a lot of it was mental and just through experience, um, you know, learning how to use the eight iron around the green or putt from way off the green, you know, even if you're 40 yards from the pin, maybe sometimes you're going to putt, maybe you're going to use an eight iron. I was so used to just always grabbing the 60 and, right. you know, landing it up there and expecting it to spin or, um, getting used to the ground. It's hard from ground here. Um, trying to stay away from pot bunkers. Those are that pain, yeah. took me a little bit too long um, to learn. Admittedly, it's just a waste of a shot. You know, you have to. It's almost like a one-stroke penalty to just hit it out. So now, when I go home and I hit it in a fairy bunker, I say, "This is amazing. I still have an opportunity to advance the ball." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> towards the green, or maybe even hit it on the green, uh, rather than like yesterday, second hole of the Jubilee had to hit it out backwards out of a pot bunker. Um, Jubilee so, is one of the toughest courses there. I feel it, it's, it, it's tough. We've played it a lot. So you learn some tips and tricks, but, um, especially with the normal wind, if you're playing it, uh, South wind and you are, you know, coming back on the back nine, playing into the winds, those last five or six holes are real tough still. Oh yeah, absolutely. By the way, and I mean this in the nicest way that, but you are, you're a complete golf dork because most college oh, kids, gosh. no, no, because most college kids that are calling home to mom and dad are saying, send money. We, I need money for, beer. <laughs> I need money for beer and for pizza and for books. And you're calling home, please send a two iron. So yeah, it was, it was a two iron and it was, um, it was hot chilies. That's another hot, thing. Oh I yeah. Yeah. Thermals. Yeah. Thermals. Yeah, yeah. Thermal. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's what I asked my parents for. <laughs> that's just, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what about, uh, what about culture shock? What about just like interacting with, with fellow, uh, you know, college students in St. Andrews, as opposed to maybe, I'd assume you have just all your friends are Americans in high school, you know, kids you've grown up with in South Florida. And then, um, and then you, you go to St. Andrews, like what were some of the culture shocks there? Um, I don't really know. I was expecting more of a culture shock almost because I knew that about 25% of the student population, uh, was American, which is way higher than I anticipated. But through the application process, I learned that fact, Okay. but you know, it, you really do feel like it's more than 25%. 
of Americans. And so I was expecting even more of a culture shock. Um, but you're still surrounded by so many Americans. You hear so many American accents. It's almost like, you know, this American takeover of the Scottish village. Everyone comes to St. Andrews and if they're Scottish, they're like, I've never heard so many American accents in my life because right. it's just dominated by so many American students. But then there's probably, you know, 15% of the students maybe that are Scottish and then another smaller percentage that are English and then the rest are international. So it, it wasn't um, too much of a culture shock, more than it was exciting to hear about people's different backgrounds or, you know, hearing them speak all these different languages to their friends um, at home. You know, it's pretty unique for someone to speak a second language, but here it's unique to only speak one language. You know, most of my friends speak two or three languages. Oh, wow. So um, I guess it was just not as much of a culture shock, but more exciting to hear about people growing up um, wherever they were from around Europe or Asia or wherever. And I think my first year on the team, even uh, the golf team, there was about 12 different countries represented and 30 of us or 35 of us. So that was pretty cool. But especially the fact we all had golf in common, even though there's people from Australia, Singapore, all over Europe, Canada, the U.S. So that was really neat. Nice. Now, you mentioned the team. Your team is set up a little bit different than the typical college golf team here in the States. Um, you know, here in the States, I guess the, the you know, whether the team has seven, eight, nine, ten players, it's it's still men's team playing five and four scores right. count. And then obviously in the ladies' side, same thing. What's the yes. setup for, for your team? I know it's a little bit different, right? Yes, it's very different. So we are actually a combined men's and women's team uh, composed of probably 30 players. And there's not um, separate men's or women's stroke play events. You know, usually the men travel to their, you know, tournament one week and the women travel somewhere else you know in the states to their tournament but we all travel together because there's different divisions obviously for the men and women but the stroke play event sites are the same okay um our ncaa equivalent is called bucks british universities and collegiate sports um so the bucks stroke play events are you know combined male and women but with separate divisions and you can actually enter as many players men and women as you would like um so you're not really competing you know as a five and taking the four best scores you kind of almost compete as an individual but there is a smaller team aspect of it so as an individual with whatever I finish in let's say I finish third or something in an event I earn 300 points for my university for St. Andrews so then all the players that they enter combine all of their points and you do it that way and you earn a certain amount of points to be able to qualify for the finals and okay. then the end of the year. But same in that stroke play event, there are, there's a smaller team, um, competition on the side, but there's less, um, importance put on it where you may enter three girls and then they take the two best scores or they, you may enter three girls and they take the three best scores. It kind of varies stroke play tournament to stroke play tournament but um that's nice because it is different and it's nice because you can enter as many players as you would like rather okay. than you know you're competing you, you know qualifying week to week to you know for the five spots the five travel spots to whatever events next um but then we also have a match play 
series in the winter and then the spring months where those are combined men's and women's teams. So we field three teams. There's a first, second, and third team, each of 10 players, and those are mixed, men and women. Okay. So yesterday I played a match, and you know we are half women, half men playing an all-male team, um, the University of Newcastle. So in the match play portion, I've rarely played another girl. I think I've had one match of probably 30 matches I've played, and the rest have been male. So you still do get a chance to compete against the other gender, I guess. <laughs> sure. Um, you, you mentioned your view right now out of your flat, looking at the, at the North sea and looking at the course. I, I think I've seen pictures. Uh, I've seen some really great pictures actually of St. Andrews covered in snow. Um, when, when the weather's bad, what is there to do in St. Andrews? I mean, I, I know the, the correct answer to say right now is like hit the books and study really hard, but <laughs> but after after you've done all that, what is there to do in St. Andrews if if there's no golf? As a student, there's a bunch of student-run events. So whether it's a fashion show, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the show Kate Middleton Walked In, which is called Don't Walk. It's a charity fashion show. They have, you know, dinners, um, charity dinners, polo tournaments. So there's things like that to do. But really, people usually just hit the pubs. To be honest, now um, <laughs> we're getting into the serious part of the episode. Okay, you're you're <laughs> legal drinking age, so we can go this we can go this direction. But you're the one that brought it up. So, um, <laughs> what are the pubs that maybe uh, I know that people from the states coming over know the Dunvegan, they know the Jigger Inn that's right off of the 17th of the old course. Yes, but uh, you know we all know those. What are some of the lesser known pubs that people should make sure they go? check out just for educational purposes this is that's for just, educational purposes yes, yes yes um well the dun vegan the dunny is still my favorite um really okay. that's a great place that's a great place to go i mean just because the whole ambiance in there and they always you know have the golf playing rather than like cricket or rugby and some other pubs which sure. i still don't understand <laughs> okay i don't understand either don't worry um so i really i still really like it there and it's a great location and you can sit outside there same thing with the jigger um, but the central, um, in town is good. Bruco is a, um, more modern, I guess, bar or pub that is really popular among students. Um, this, it's the St. Andrews Brewing Company. And then another one that, uh, a lot of is popular amongst a lot of locals that is a really like traditional pub is called Aikman's. Okay. So those are two good ones, but, um, the Dunny is that's, still my that's, favorite. That's your favorite. Yeah, that's that's the one you got to hit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my favorite, too. I uh, I think I spent uh, just about the entire week there and ate every meal and, uh, yeah, spent a lot of time there. So It's a good spot. Oh, yeah, it's a great spot. So you're getting ready to graduate. You're getting ready to, to kind of call it a career, so to speak, with, with college and move on to the next step. You know, amateur golf is very popular in the States for mid-ams, for seniors, even for juniors. It seems to me right. that the the mid-am or post-college women's game in amateur golf is kind of lacking, um, whether there's not a lot of participation for whatever reason. But you want to keep playing after college, don't you? Definitely. I want to keep playing, keep improving my game, and don't really want to stop. So hopefully whatever job or career I pursue won't keep me from doing that too much. <laughs> Um, let's talk about other courses that you've played other than in the town of St. Andrews. 
things you've gotten to experience that whether it's in a uh, tournament through through college golf or anything else what's the furthest you've traveled since you've been there to go play in a tournament a lot of our tournaments are in Scotland or England so we'll you know drive down to Kent which is quite far you know a 12 hour drive but that's pretty common you drive everywhere in the states so the majority of them I'd say are uh, Scotland, England. Uh, the team's gone over to Ireland a couple times. Um, I've actually gone for uh, with the team to New York and California and Florida um, for training, our warm weather training when it's a bit cold here during winter break. But for tournaments, we've also traveled to Spain, Croatia, and the Czech Republic. Um, so those are a bit more unusual places. Yeah, of um, course. The Czech Republic, we flew into Prague and then drove about three and a half hours north uh, to a place called Liberec. And we played this course, Liberec Golf Club, that had eight par threes. Um, okay. That was interesting. And was a part of the Czech Republic that most people don't go to and they don't go there for a reason. <laughs> okay. You kind of just visit Prague and... Um, but it was it was an interesting experience. It was not glamorous at all, but we had a great time. It was a memorable tournament. Um, the Czech Golf Federation hosted the tournament, and they I, I'm not sure how many golf tournaments they put on before, but they barely spoke English. Uh, the night before at midnight, there were no tee times. They didn't know what tees the women were going to play or what tees the men were going to play. <laughs> no problem. So it was quite an interesting experience. Um, I don't know if this is bad to say, but they had an opening ceremony and, you know, people from all over Europe came to play this tournament. So they had this opening ceremony where they had you know, the different countries represented walk out with their flag. And it was a very serious ceremony. And um, the people welcomed us and gave some speeches and it was very nice. And then they brought out, they said, we're going to have this, you know, next entertainment act. And, a woman came out, um, barely clothed with a pole and started doing pole dancing for about 25 <laughs> minutes. And we kind of were all in shock looking at each other. Like, is this really happening right now? You know, in this big auditorium, you know, what is going on right now? And we just were trying not to burst out loud and we of started course. giggling and they're taking it very seriously. You know, they really appreciate the art and sport of pole dancing. And it, it was an interesting experience. I mean, but I mean, it was very impressive. She was very, you know, talented and very strong, obviously. Sure. But uh, that was very different um, for a golf tournament and opening ceremony of its, of its kinds. So. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. That really. Yeah. New. No, you're, you're, you're doing great. It's kind of hard to, to not, I mean, it's, it's, Pole dancing. So was her name Sapphire by any chance? I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Um, so that, that was, that was new. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you're not going to forget that term anytime soon. Um, no. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's the first. Did not expect that story to come up. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and wrap up with just a final story. Um, I know that you occasionally will play a little bit of golf with your father in some tournaments, uh, specifically the mixed championship for the FSGA Florida State Golf Association. I think you've won that a handful of times. Um, 
I know you don't like talking about yourself and your abilities on the course, but at least share at least one story where you had to, you had to bail out good old dad in one of these tournaments. Uh, well, I like bailing him out because then I can kind of hold it against him. That's what I'm saying. I'm giving you, here's your platform. I mean, you know, you get to, you get to kind of, you know, give him the needle just a little bit and, uh, you know, tell a story of when he doesn't have his A game and don't worry, Alexa's there to take care of you. Okay. Well, the most recent one we played in the, uh, one of the summer Florida State Golf Association mixed team tournaments we played in Orlando it was a few years ago now we haven't played in one in a while um but we are coming down you know the last four holes of the tournament um I think we were tied for the lead going into the final day so you know we are probably I don't know five under with like four to play so we knew we were doing well but the tournaments are really competitive they have a great field at all those FSGA events and we knew we had to you know come up with some more birdies to have a chance at winning so I remember what did we do we on 15 I think uh I made a birdie you know 16 he missed his birdie putt 17 uh it was a par five and you know he just I don't know hit it in the trees or something I'm not really sure and I was in the front um greenside bunker line two hitting my third on this par five. So almost got us the green and two knew that he wasn't really going to help me on the hole and had to make something happen. And, um, he was like, what's and I, the bunker was way far down. Like I had a blind shot. It was you know way b- below the green. Um, sure. couldn't really see much. And he said, Oh, let's see how close you can get this, you know? And then I said, okay. And I hit it and I hold it for Eagle. And, um, then I parred the last and we ended up winning by one. So now I say, Oh, you were, you know, challenging me on that bunker shot well glad you were there yeah uh, i pulled it off and we won by one so i like holding those last few holes uh against him and reminding him because rarely does it happen where i can help him uh because he's usually playing pretty well yeah so this is a time where you guys competed uh, uh, with each other on the same team does it ever get ugly between you two out there when you're playing against each other? I mean, are you? Are you <laughs> no, a, no. Okay. We just talk smack to each other and give each other a hard time. But no, it's it's fun to see him play well, and you know, even though sometimes it's a bit annoying because he usually plays pretty well, it, I still like it. It, it it's, is annoying. I it's it's <laughs> it, it really is. Um, yeah. Um, well, Alexa, I really do appreciate the time. These are great stories and. Uh, you know, I think it's important for people to, It's hey, you know, it's information about St. Andrews. Everyone needs to go to St. Andrews at some point. So hopefully some of the things you shared will be beneficial to people listening to the podcast. And uh, best of luck with, uh, with the rest of the way in school and your additional amateur endeavors. And um, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be one of your episodes in the Back of the Range podcast. It's my favorite. And there you have it, another great episode here at the Back of the Range. Special thanks and congratulations to Alexa Hammer. She just picked up her degree from the University of St. Andrews. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out thebackoftherange.com. And we'll see you again next week for another episode here at the Back of the Range.